Hi, I'm Mike Burton of Star Wars Comics and Canon and Genuine Chit Chat, and I'm here to talk to you guys about a new monthly show that's coming out on Comics in Motion very soon. Now the show is going to be called the Comics in Motion Book Club, and it's specifically going to be tackling one-shots, mini-series, or small volumes of ongoing runs of comics. The idea behind it is a host as well as a handful of guests are going to sit down like an old school book club and talk about the comic, the narrative, their thoughts on it, the art style, and just generally all aspects of the comic in question. We would also love to hear from you guys on the show, so please make sure you send in your thoughts, your questions, or anything you'd like us to say on air, and you can contact us either on social media at comicsinmotionp, or you can email us at comicsinmotionpodcast at gmail.com. We're also going to have a rolling host, so it's going to be a different person each month, just so there's a nice big variety of the kind of comics that we tackle, and obviously the guests are going to change as well, so every month is going to be something different. I'm going to be the host of the first episode, and unsurprisingly, we are tackling a Star Wars comic. It's going to be the first volume of Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith. It's the 2017 Darth Vader run, written by Charles Saul. We're going to be tackling issues 1-6 to six for the Chosen One arc, but the trade paperback collection is called The Imperial Machine. You can find this on Marvel Unlimited, and you can also find it on Hoopla, as well as you can buy it on Comixology and all the usual places that you find your comics. So with that all said guys, the countdown begins. Happy reading, and we look forward to hearing from you. Hi, this is Dominic Pace, who plays Gekko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian, and you are listening to Star Wars Comics in Canon. Hello there and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, Mike Burton. And so brings episode 58. So this week, guys, I am tackling the second half of the Kanan comics. It's called Kanan the Last Padawan, but book two, which is the one that I'm tackling here, or volume two, depending how you look at it, is called First Blood. So it's continuing on from the previous episode I did, which was episode 54. Now, it's a 12-issue series. The first six issues, half of it or part of it is showing like an ongoing storyline that takes place around the time of season one of Star Wars Rebels, the animated show. And the main sort of story is a flashback to how Kanan survived Order 66. So I really recommend people check that out first because it will make everything in here and make a lot more sense. But so this one, so issues 7 to 12, they are in essence prequels again so you've got the the star wars rebels storyline that is continuing throughout but the flashbacks are actually even earlier than the other ones so the flashbacks for these is how kanan went from being a youngling to being a padawan of depa bilaba and their sort of first missions together whereas in the previous issue it was how they survived order 66 together which was after the events of these flashbacks in the comics if you catch my drift but the story that's in in quotes present day to do with the star wars rebels crew that is continuous so not that confusing really but it may sound confusing the way i'm explaining it but basically go listen to the other one it'll make a lot more sense um episode 54 or read the comics yourself either or 
So the last comic sort of finished with Kanan getting stabbed in the back and passing out. So that's where we will pick up here. But just for clarity, let's give some information on the comics. So we've got the writer of these was Greg Wiseman, who also wrote all 12 of these. David Curiel was the colour artist for all of these issues as well. And then the artist, so the penciler and inker, for issues 7 to 11 was Pepe Larraz. And the artist for issue number 12 was Andrea Bracado. Issue 7 was released in October 2015, issue 12 was released March 2016, the trade paperback of this volume was released in May 2016, and then the full hardcover collection with all 12 issues was released in December 2016. So we've got a fair amount of story to cover here and some other sort of bits and pieces. So I'll go through the narrative and confirm a lot of the connecting tissue as I do as standard. We've got information on Bacta, Jedi Temple Guards, Fen Rao, and a few other bits and pieces. A couple that may surprise people who are more sort of veterans of Star Wars. But there's a lot of cool things and uh, let's get started. So we'll do issue number seven and here's the crawl. It is an era of betrayal. The Republic has fallen after the elimination of the Jedi Knights by Chancellor Palpatine's Order 66. Now, as Emperor, Palpatine firmly commands a galaxy by his own rules. Rebels have banded together to fight back. Among them is former Jedi Padawan Caleb Doom, who now calls himself Kanan Jarrus. He and his rebel companions are back on the planet Kala, where Kanan lost his master years ago. Kanan's past haunts him as he searches for his ex-partner Janus Kazmir who he suspects smuggled supplies the rebels need. In his search, he is wounded by Tapusk, before falling unconscious while the ghosts of his Padawan past zero in on him. So let's get started with the narrative of the first comic, which is issue 7 of the 12-issue run. So in present day, as I'll call it, which is going to be the timescale which is within the first series of Star Wars Rebels, the first episode of Star Wars Rebels is the crew of the Ghost meeting Ezra, and Ezra is already with them at this point, so... It's before a certain other point later on that I'll reveal, but it's probably going to be about halfway through series one, there, thereabouts. And yeah, he got stabbed in the back and he is left in a back to tank. Now, for clarity, a back to tank, you would recognize it was first in The Empire Strikes Back. After Luke gets injured by fighting the Wampa, which is basically the Yeti thing on Hoth, he goes into a back to tank to recover. It's quite common in Star Wars. It's in Rogue One as well. It's in the Clone Wars. It's in books, comics, lots of other places as well. In The Mandalorian, there's a back to spray that IG-11 uses on the Mando's face. And in The High Republic, which is set around 200 years before The Phantom Menace, it shows that there's a planet called Hetzel Prime that makes Bacta. And it's made with bacteria, liquid, and another substance as well. I'm not going to go into the details of that, but most of the substances and things mentioned are just things that are mentioned in like a one-off in describing what Bacta is made out of. So it's basically just a magic healing gel, essentially. And around the High Republic era, they did used to use another substance beforehand. So you can assume that Bacta came a lot more widespread around 200 years before The Phantom Menace. So it'd been around for probably 250, maybe 300 years by the time of the prequel trilogy. Before that, there was something else that they used entirely. But I'm not going to get into that here. Now I want to clarify as well. Kanan, when he was a youngling and a Padawan, his like birth name was Caleb Doom. Now, I'm going to call him Kanan uh, just for ease rather than flitting backwards and forwards and things. And obviously, the name Kanan is quite similar to Caleb as well. And I don't want to keep saying one and then forgetting and flipping back and forth. So I'm going to keep calling him Kanan because that's the name that I view him as. And that is his name sort of in present day. But just to clarify, it was Caleb Doom. 
So after that little present day part, it does the flashback. And the flashback's meant to show that while Kanan is in the back to tank healing, he is essentially reliving somewhat how his life was when he was a Padawan. There are certain phrases that get said at the start of each comic that then kind of connect with phrases that he heard when he was younger and that that kind of ties them together it's quite cleverly done and the artwork in these issues are really really good but yeah we're starting off with kanan as a youngling now for clarity a youngling is just a really young jedi you start off as a youngling just learning the ways of the force and things you see at the start of attack of the clones or in attack of the clones when obi-wan is trying to find kamino and he goes and talks to yoda and whatnot it's one of my favorite scenes with yoda where he talks to the children and things and has a little laugh with them but yeah the younglings it's I think you usually get to about a teenager as a youngling and then you get chosen by a master to become a Padawan. And then you can be a Padawan of someone's for five, ten years. Um, and then once you do your Jedi trials, then you get to become a Jedi. And that's when you're called a Jedi Knight. Then when a Jedi Knight becomes a master, it's usually when a Jedi has had a Padawan and then the Padawan sort of graduates to Jedi, and then they become a master. That's usually how it works. Then obviously, there are some pitfalls and things generally in the Star Wars universe, or more so exceptions to the rule, but that's generally how it is. And for clarity, uh, Obi-Wan's trial was actually beating Darth Maul. They viewed that because he killed Darth Maul, and obviously experienced the loss of Qui-Gon Jinn in A Phantom Menace, that was enough to qualify for a Jedi trial, whereas usually there would be like a specific trial. However, during the Clone Wars, a lot of the Jedi Padawans got sort of upgraded to Jedi Knights quite quickly, because they were in war zones so much, and they just needed more Jedi Generals to be able to command legions of clone troopers and things. So there's a lot of inexperienced Padawans who became Jedi Knights, and in the episode Lair of Grievous, I believe it is, in series one of the Clone Wars, it's one of the only episodes of series one of the Clone Wars that I recommend people do check out because normally I say to skip series one of the Clone Wars by like five episodes. But the episode Lair of Grievous, it does a really good way of kind of showing what happens when an inexperienced Padawan goes into battle. So yeah, thought I'd throw that out there, just a bit of information about younglings and whatnot. But uh, yeah, let's get back onto it. So Kanan, as a youngling, he is fighting in some saber combat. I say fighting. He's doing it, some sparring with other younglings his age, and Yoda's overseeing it. He then missteps, falls, hits his head, and then has to go to a medical droid. When he's speaking to the medical droid, who says, don't worry, you've barely been hurt or anything, he sees Depa Bilaba in a Bacta tank, unsurprisingly. He feels like he knows her, and she's actually been in a coma for six months and it turns out that she actually fought general grievous and lost and that's why she's in the back to tank because she is healing she comes out and then speaks with mace windu yoda and obi-wan and they confirm that she needs to be tested to make sure that she's fit for service it then does this really cool double page spread and this comic um, series there's loads of really really good scenes uh, there's one which is almost purely double pages I think it's issue number 11 seven double page spreads in the whole issue which is a lot but there's a really cool double page spread here which shows the top half of it is Kanan training and whatnot while the bottom half is Depa Bilaba kind of getting back into the swing of things again and it's, it's just the imagery and the parallels that look really cool. It's confirmed that she specifically needed to be tested because she hides her fear due to her failure. She then, after a little while, gets welcomed back into the Jedi Council, and then it shows that three initiates have passed their trials, and one of them is Kanan. It shows Kanan asking a lot of questions when he is in the Jedi Temple. He's asking Jocasta Nu. Um, she actually pops up in the Darth Vader comics, the 2017 run, which I'll be tackling in about a month or so's time, and... She's also seen in Attack of the Clones. Uh, she's the character who I really didn't like in Attack of the Clones when Obi-Wan is like, um, this uh, planet doesn't seem to exist. And she's like, well, if the planet is not in the archives, then it does not exist. And it's like, well, you're actually wrong, aren't you? So yeah, so that's her. 
So while Kanan is asking questions about, you know, why is that the preferred method of Jedi Knights choosing their Padawans for centuries? Like, was it based on trial and error? Did it get revealed for a Force vision? And Jocasta knew, like, well, someone's clearly thought to question it. And it shows that Mace Windu's kind of scowling at him from a distance, while Depa Balaba's kind of giggling a little bit, showing, you know, he's not questioning it. He's just asking how it became it, which I think is a perfectly valid question, which might be the reason why I probably wouldn't be a very good Jedi, because I ask questions as to why is XYZ doing this sort of thing all the time. That was like, I was an insufferable child of that age because I was just asking constant questions. Um, but anyway, moving on. It shows Depa Balaba showing the three initiates some lightsaber forms and then them sort of testing out on training drones and things and Kanan does quite well at that. And then Kanan is walking with the other two initiates talking and saying about how he wonders if he would be Depa Balaba's Padawan and whatnot and he wants some action, he wants to you know get in the Clone Wars before it ends and whatnot and then one of the initiates pulls him to one side into a little room and quietly talks to him and says, look she's damaged goods. In her last battle there were 90% casualties, she fought against Grievous and lost which is quite a big thing, you know, 90% casualties, that's obviously 90% of your troopers were either killed or heavily injured. And so Kanan's trying to ponder what to think, he doesn't really know, so he decides to go and ask Depa Bilaba directly herself. She says it likely, yes, she probably is damaged goods, because those deaths were her responsibility and she fears to cause more. And while that's happening, you see some panels of someone scaling the building of the Jedi Temple, and then there's an explosion that happens, and that's where issue 7 ends. I want to clarify that issue number seven was called The Corridors of Coruscant. Now, in these comics, they don't tell you what the title is of the comic until the end of the comic, which is an interesting choice, uh, but I'm not going to do that because I've read all of them and it doesn't really seem to be... They're not like spoilers or anything. If they were, I'd be more understanding, but they're not. Um, so let's get on to issue number eight, which is called Towers of the Temple. Now, each of these comics starts with the present day in the Star Wars Rebel sort of time frame. And for clarity, they are around four years before Rogue One and the New Hope, just for clarity. So the Empire has been a thing for, you know, 14, 15 years or so. So in the present day, you've got Kanan is still in the back to tank. Um, the ghost crew standing around him, they're saying that it could be hours it could be weeks it could be ages before he's actually well to leave and when they're thinking okay we haven't really got that kind of time the building gets surrounded by imperials so back to the era of the prequel trilogy now this all takes place you know around the time of maybe 18 years before the battle of yavin maybe 19 years before the battle of yavin and so 19 years before the battle of yavin that is when revenge of the sith takes place so that's right at the end of the clone wars clone wars went on for three years so this is in within the last year of the clone wars there thereabouts Depa Balaba grabs kanan to try and avoid an explosion and then more detonators start to fall and it shows in other panels that the Separatists are attacking the Jedi Temple. It shows that Cleaver's there, and he's involved in the first six issues of the Kanan story, so you know, go listen to that if you haven't already. And also Grievous is there, everyone's favourite coughing cyborg. And they want to topple the main tower of the Jedi Order to show the world and the galaxy, really, how weak the Jedi actually are to both the Separatists and the Republic. And they've sent someone on a suicide mission to achieve this goal. It shows where the other two initiates and they are getting protected by some Jedi Temple guards and they're meant to yeah, keep the younglings safe or initiates, whatever you want to call them. Initiates are basically past your trial but haven't yet been picked up by a Jedi Master. Now, Jedi Temple Guards, you'd only really see them if you've seen either Star Wars Clone Wars, I think Series 5, and Star Wars Rebels. There's like one episode where Kanan has basically a Force vision and comes into contact with one of them. 
So they're not actually shown in canon very much, and they're not in Legends much either. So they're only really in these animated shows. But they have a mask on because they need to be completely anonymous. They need to be absolutely detached from any emotions at all. And as I said, they're anonymous because they wear the masks. They have double-bladed lightsabers, which are also called lightsaber pikes. And then the Grand Inquisitor, who is a person who is the main antagonist of one season, I think, of Star Wars Rebels. He used to be a Jedi Temple Guard, and then when the Jedi Purge happened, he then killed all the other Jedi Temple Guards and then became the Grand Inquisitor, which is a dark side user who gets trained by Vader and Palpatine, essentially. It gets detailed in Star Wars Rebels quite a lot, and also the Grand Inquisitor does make a little appearance in the 2020 Darth Vader comic run. So if you've consumed Star Wars content, you'll know who I'm talking about. So then after these temple guards keep those younglings safe, it shows that Kanan figures out where the attacker is, and he climbs into an air duct and goes to approach them. Even though Depa Balaba told him to hide, he does not do that. So he gets to the roof of the temple and sees the attacker, and the guy calls Kanan Kid. And I just wanted to flag that, because Kanan gets called Kid quite a lot over these 12 issues, and he doesn't like it very much. The guy who Kanan is calling to doesn't actually want to kill Padawans, says to Kanan, look, you can leave and this will be fine, and Kanan just charges at him. The guy throws some bombs and things at him, Kanan uses the force to push them away, and then Depa Balaba shows up. Kanan tells her that the attacker is trying to blow up the tower. Then the attacker throws more bombs, and Depa Balaba uses the force to prevent the liquids inside of the bombs from mixing. So it doesn't look like a thermal detonator, it looks like a small other device, but it's just two liquids inside this spherical device. You click the button and throw it, and then it opens a chamber, the two liquids combine, and then that creates an explosion. She uses the force to prevent those two liquids from mixing within the thrown bomb, which is quite cool. Then this attacker runs to you the bomb detonator and she flicks it into the air using the force and at the same time she releases the liquids in the bomb that he threw earlier and explodes the detonator meaning he can't blow up the temple he then attacks them they manage to hold him using the force and then he drops loads of bombs and manages to escape by you know the jedi have to make sure the bombs don't blow up and then he just kind of slips away depa balaba confirms that she is in need of a padawan so kanan tells his you know, initiate friends and they are very negative about it and he reports that back to depa balaba and she says look this just shows that no one is perfect and then this issue ends with it being three weeks since the attack on the Jedi Temple, and Kanan is on his first mission with Depa Bilaba, and this is Depa Bilaba's first mission since she got out of the coma and whatnot, and they meet Grey and Styles, who are two clones who survived Depa Bilaba's last mission. And obviously, if you guys have been keeping up with the Kanan comics, they are also the ones who are in the last one, and if anyone has seen The Bad Batch, one of them which is Grey, he is the one who shoots them in the Bad Batch. So, nice little connections there, even though, obviously, as I tackled in my previous episode, there's a couple of contradictions, but I'm not going to get into that here. So, that is where issue number eight ends. They've basically embarked on their first mission. And so, we start issue number nine. Now, issue number nine is called Canyons of Cardoa. So once again, in the present day, it shows that the rebels were actually sold out by Tapusk, who was the one who stabbed Kanan and was the one who basically told the Empire so that they are now all surrounded. So it goes back to the flashback. They're on the planet of Cardoa, which doesn't seem to be elsewhere, with Grey, Styles, and a couple of other clones, and they seem to be the only survivors from the previous command. 
Grey managed to get three other old guns, as he called it. So they've got about seven clone troopers who are sort of not new, who are quite experienced fighters. And the rest of them are all green, as he calls them, which are basically troopers who are very, very new. And they don't even have their own names. So for clarity, all clone troopers are assigned a number. It's usually CT and then four numbers. But obviously, there are millions and millions of clones and four numbers would only really account for 10,000, you know, all the way from 0000 all the way up to 9999. Normally, clone troopers, they either do something or there's a numerical thing and they get called numbers from that. There's fives, there's echo, there's, I mean, if you've been watching the Bad Batch, they've all got names and stuff. But yeah, normally clones get their names after a battle or two. They just kind of pick it up somehow. But yeah, these clones have never really been in the battle before and don't really even have names. So it's confirmed that they're on this planet for reconnaissance or recon to be short. And the separatist probe droid sees them. And this probe droid is actually very, very similar to the one that the Empire uses, as you see in Empire Strikes Back and lots of other Star Wars content. So it's interesting to see that the probe droid design was actually from the separatists. Although, you know, one could almost argue that that was Palpatine anyway, but not going to go down that road. The probe droid that sees them, you see who it reports back to, and it shows General Cleave, and he is speaking to General Grievous. And it show, he says that Grievous is just obsessed with the Jedi, and it's a wasted time to try and fight them. So Grievous heads off to the planet Maijito, and Cleave goes off to deal with something on Kala, and so Grievous leaves Colonel Seer in charge. Now, the planet Maijito, just in brief, is shown in the Order 66 montage in Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. You see Kaede Mundi, which is, Megan calls him Turnip Head, but he is a Syrian. He's just got the really tall head. He looks kind of human-ish, but yeah, really tall head guy. He gets shot and killed on the Battle of Maijito, which I think is the fourth Battle of Maijito. It's quite a war-torn place. There's creatures there called the Lermin, which are kind of like Lima people. That's in one of the episodes of the Clone Wars as well. But yeah, Clone Wars and Revenge of the Sith are the main places that you'll see my Jito. So back to Depa Bilaba and her new clones and whatnot, there is a trooper called CT1157 and he talks to Depa Bilaba and she tells him to remove his helmet because she likes to be able to see the faces of the troopers that she's commanding. 1157 and Caleb are then walking with other troopers with Depa Bilaba and the more experienced clones out front and they're just chatting, you know, bonding in a way and they both say that they hate being called kid, which is quite a nice little moment. They then get attacked by some separatists. They can't retreat because they're on this stony pass. And Kanan says that he feels exhilarated. There's then a cool two-page spread showing Kanan sort of jumping around and being excited by all these things. And while that's happening, Colonel Seer is watching with binoculars. Kanan then gets a bit too far into the action and he gets shot twice at the same time, once in the hip and once in the shoulder, and he falls to the floor. And the clone trooper 1157 stands over his body on the floor and is defending Kanan from getting any more hurt. While this is happening, Depa Bilaba and the older clones have snuck around the mountain pass and see a ship. They start to attack this ship, and then it shows that it was actually the colonel's only way out. So the colonel immediately gets all the droids to retreat to try and fight off the attackers of his ship so that he can get on the ship and leaves, which is exactly what he does. This comic then ends showing Kanan is actually in a back to tank, and 1157 is given a commendation of valor and is now called Stance. So he got his name. And it shows the final panel has got Colonel Seer going to Grievous on Maijito, and Grievous says that he'll deal with this himself. So on to comic number 10, which is the fourth out of the six in this volume, and it's called Messers of Maijito. So in the aircraft's present day, you've got troopers then attacking the rebels, Kanan is still in the back to tank, and that's it really. You only normally get like a page of the aircraft's present story. So then it goes back to when Kanan was a Padawan. 
It shows that the trooper Stance actually waited for Kanan to wake up. So he was just standing there. He said that he saved his life, so it's his responsibility. That's a really nice moment. And so they head to the war-torn Maijito. Now, this is going to be the third battle of Maijito. As I said, when Kiyadimundi is doing it, I think it's the fourth battle. But yeah, Maijito is pretty war-torn during the Clone Wars. On Maijito, the Republic are heavily outnumbered, but Depa Balaba and Kanan try and get there to kind of rise to the challenge and try to even the playing field a little bit. They're fighting and things and they're learning together and it's, you know, lots of different sort of lessons and whatnot that Kanan learns. And then Depa Balaba, when everything's a little bit more quiet, mentions sacrifice. She says that there's inevitable pain and loss and that even though Kanan is happy at the moment with how things are going, things could change in a moment's notice. And as she kind of says those things, he sees just for a split second this flash, this vision, just only a second and... All he sees is Depa Balaba shouting and then a trooper aiming at her from behind. And there's a throwback to when they experienced Order 66. But I thought that was a nice little note. But he doesn't really know how to take that. He, the, he only flashes to him for a second and then it's gone. And then he's just a little bit like, I just saw something. But oh well, I guess it was nothing. Then continuing on, Depa Balaba, Kanan and the troopers are going over some bridges on Majito. And then some artillery hits the edges of the bridges, and so they're kind of stuck in this middle part, which is what called a mesa. And so it's just this platform kind of thing. It's almost like a tower, but the absolute top of it, you can walk around the, the tops of these buildings, all the roofs are kind of connected and things by bridges, essentially. So the bridges that were connecting got destroyed, so they're just stuck on this mesa at the very height of this city. Obviously falling down would lead to certain death. Then there's you've got loads of droids that are start climbing up the sides of the building going up to them. And Depa Balaba calls out for the clone troops to pick them up, but it's four minutes until they're going to get extracted, so they have to try and defend the platform. Now, there's only four of them there, and that is Stance, Grey, Depa Balaba, and Kanan. They each take like an area of the platform, and they are managing to do fairly well, but they do start to get a little bit overrun. As this happens, a group of ships fly by called Skull Squadron. They manage to shoot out the droids and things, saving the guys on top of the Mesa, and it's confirmed that the leader of Skull Squadron is Fen Rao. Now, for clarity, the characters in this don't see Fen Rao again, and the ships that Fen Rao and his squadron are flying aren't big enough to be able to pick them up, so they can only really defend the area while they're still waiting for the Republic ship to come and extract them. Now, Fen Rao may be a name that people remember because if you've seen Star Wars Rebels, he is actually in there. He is a man. Mandalorian, and he was actually a protector of Concord Dawn. He was a supporter of the Empire, but then eventually he kind of turned slightly. I'm not going to reveal everything else that happens with this storyline because it happens over, I think, a season or two of Star Wars Rebels. But Fen Rao, if you recognize the name and you've seen Star Wars Rebels, that's where. Then after being protected by Skull Squadron, Depa Balaba, Kanan, Stance and Grey all get extracted and they land at base camp. They're about to have a breather and then the transport that dropped them off blows up and it shows there is a droid ambush. Everyone is fighting and there's blaster shots going everywhere and then Stance gets electrocuted to death. He collapses on the floor and you see that it was Colonel Seer who did it with this electro blade. Kanan confronts him, and while that happens, Depa Balaba is approached by General Grievous, and that is where comic 10 ends. So comic number 11, the penultimate issue, this is the fifth out of the six in this volume, and this one is called The Fog of War. 
Now, this is the one that I said there are seven double-page spreads in this. So I would really recommend, if anyone's got Marvel Unlimited or Hoopla or anything like that, and you can find Kanan on those things, then you really need to check this out and read it as I go along because there are just so many cool panels that look amazing. Like the artwork in issue 11, this one specifically, is absolutely excellent. And it's some really, really cool Star Wars action. So really recommend you guys read this, as I always recommend people read these comics. This can be both a guide to you reading the comics or the connections, or it can be instead of if you don't have all the time in the world to read every Star Wars comic like I clearly do. But yes, so issue number 11. Lots of double page spreads. I would recommend reading it. So the first page, as always, is the air quotes present day. So the rebels surrounding Kanan's back to tank have now been captured. They on their knees with their hands behind their heads. Lots of stormtroopers with guns to their heads. And the stormtrooper is just contacting base to await confirmation. Is he to kill them there or is he going to transport them for interrogation? So back in the Clone Wars times, Kanan is confronted by this Colonel Seer who just killed Stance, you know, Kanan's new friend. And there's a monologue going on where you can see what Kanan's thoughts were and things. And he talks about the dark side. And this is the first time he's ever wanted to kill someone. So he launched himself at Colonel to attack. And while that's happening, Depa Bilaba and Grievous are fighting as well. Grievous mentions his mistake was not killing Depa Bilaba, and she says that he did kill the Jedi he faced last time. She is a new thing entirely. And as that happens, she slices off two of his hands. Then shortly after that, with one of his two remaining hands, Grievous manages to catch Depa Bilaba in the back with his lightsaber. While this is happening, Grey and Styles are still fending off droids, they're shooting and whatnot, and they are requesting backup, because they never want to fail Depa Bilaba again. Then it shows Kanan fighting with Colonel Seer, and it's got his monologue again, and I'm just going to read it out because it is quite cool. There is a power in this anger, in this darkness, and that power, that anger, that darkness is seductive, immersive, all-encompassing, like a pool of black water rising over my head. It would be so easy to sink into that pool and never emerge again, but even a Padawan can see that that is not the way, not the way to honourably grieve, my friend, not the path of the true Jedi. And as this monologue is going on, you're seeing Kanan fighting with Colonel Seer, and he slides past Seer on the floor and slices a fuel tank which is connected to Seer's flamethrower. Kanan then offers Seer mercy. Seer rejects that and then is ignited by his damaged flamethrower and then runs at Kanan. Kanan sidesteps and just swipes where this flaming body is running towards him, and the body just collapses to the floor engulfed in flames. Kanan notes that there is no glory in this triumph, that this is the first time he has ever taken a life and he hopes it will be his last. The two troopers then reach Kanan, and they head to where Depa Bilaba is fighting Grievous. Even after being hit on the back by a lightsaber, she is still holding her own. The troopers then start shooting at Grievous, and Grievous, shortly after that, just bails, as he often does in the Clone Wars and the movies. He jumps off the mesa and sort of falls down the side of the building. Basically, the way that the droids got up, he uses that to get down. This confirms that the third battle of Maijito is over. Kanan lost his first friend, he took his first life, and the war is no longer seen as romantic or exciting. And he has a new mission, which is to go to Kala. And that is essentially where the flashback portions end, because the mission to Kala, that was in the first batch of Kanan Last Padawan comics. So that was in where it was called Kanan, the Last Padawan, which I tackled in episode 54. The mission of Kala, that's where you'll find out that information. But before issue number 11 ends, it shows the present day, now, which is when the Star Wars Rebels era is. It shows that Kanan managed to break out of the Bacta tank, takes down all of the troopers in the room, and saves the Rebels. So then we move on to the final comic, issue number 12, and this is called Epilogue, Ties That Bind. 
So this issue starts with Kanan having a monologue and talking about a milk run for Tarkin Town took ages, which is how the whole Kanan comic sort of started. And Tarkin Town is a place on the planet Lothal. Lothal was created for Star Wars Rebels and is where the character Ezra Bridger has come from. And Lothal is fairly desert-y, but it does have, you know, civilizations and whatnot on there. But Tarkin Town is like a slum village, which is a place that people were forced to live in when the Empire took over certain places. So Kanan and Ezra Bridger go ahead while the ghost crew goes back to Lothar to try and deliver this milk run for those people who need it. Now Ezra Bridger, if you haven't seen Star Wars Rebels, you will not know who Ezra Bridger is, but Ezra Bridger, God, how many times can I say his name in one minute? Um, he is a gentleman, well a gentleman, he is a kid basically. Um, he was actually born on Empire Day. Empire Day is the day that the Empire was born, and he was actually born not only on the day, but he was actually born at the time in Revenge of the Sith when it specifically happens. So Empire Day is celebrated by the Empire once a year, and as I said, to commemorate the day that the Empire rose to power, and Ezra was actually born the day that that all happened. So at the time of Rogue One and A New Hope, Ezra would be 19 years old, because he's born 19 years before the Battle of Yavin. So around the time the Star Wars Rebels starts, so this is series one of Star Wars Rebels, he is around 14-ish years old, and Lothal is his homeworld. So Kanan and Ezra go and meet a gentleman called Gamut Key, and he was mentioned in the previous batch of Kanan comics, so go check that out, and he takes them to Morviso of Morago, that's who Kanan is going to see, because Kanan received a coded message requesting he needs help. Now, Morfizo of Morago, he was actually at the very end of the Kanan comics, issue number six. When Kanan changed his name to Kanan Jarus, Morfizo was the first person he spoke to and the first time he used that name. So the comic ends in the previous one. It ends with Kanan landing on a planet and speaking to a local. And he goes, oh, hello there. What's your name? And he goes, oh, I'm Kanan Jarus. And this person says, oh, I'm Mephizo of Morega. So it's Morega. I may have said Morego earlier, but it's M-O-R-A-G-A, Morega. So as they get to Morega and just before landing, Gamut asks Kanan if this place is a trap. Kanan says that Morfizo doesn't actually know that Kanan is a rebel, so he finds it unlikely it's actually going to be a trap. So Kanan lands with Ezra, they arrive and meet Morfizo's wife, and it turns out that he's been taken to a planet called Lan by Imperials because he joined the rebels and got found out. Kanan says that they'll rescue Morfizo, and he nominates Gamut Key to set them up with new identities on Kala, which Gamut does agree to. Kanan actually has a ship there on Morega, and it is a ship called The Escape. It was hidden there. Now, The Escape is actually from Kanan issues 4 and 5, and it is the ship that he gets from Janus Kazmir. So it's the time where, you know, he gets a second ship, and that's when he meets Cleave outside the Clone Wars and whatnot. That's from the previous thing. So Kanan and Ezra then head to the planet Larn, and Larn isn't really much else in the canon, nothing hugely to note. And so Ezra distracts some troopers who are guarding a cell, while Kanan enters to try and save Morfizo. Kanan enters, he kills all of the troopers except one officer remains, and the officer shoots just above where Kanan is, it hits the wall right between Kanan and Morfizo, and it shows that this person is actually Vice Admiral Sloan. Now, Vice Admiral Sloan, she was in the A New Dawn book, which is one of the first novels in the new canon, and it is essentially a prequel to Star Wars Rebels, but it is shown how Kanan met Hera Syndulla, um, who's a quite a big character in Star Wars. Ray Sloan, I actually know her primarily where I was first introduced to her, was the Aftermath trilogy uh, by Chuck Wendig. They are an excellent set of books set straight after Return of the Jedi, and they span about a year and a half, and it just shows what the Rebels kind of did 
after Return of the Jedi, but it is set ever so slightly after the Star Wars Shattered Empire comics, which is set like hours after the end of Return of the Jedi. So chronologically speaking, you've got Return of the Jedi, then Star Wars Shattered Empire, and then the Aftermath trilogy. And Rey Sloan is in that, and she's a very, very interesting character. And the last we see of her, generally, minor spoilers, is that she goes off into the unknown regions with what was left of the Imperial Remnant, which is heavily rumoured to be what becomes the First Order, which would make sense because Armitage Hux is with them, who is General Hux in The Force Awakens. Obviously, at the time, he's like a child. But yes, anyway, read the Aftermath trilogy. They're a really cool set of books. So when Kanan is confronted by Ray Sloan, it's confirmed that she studied Kanan after their prior confrontation, which was in the book A New Dawn. She says that it appears that Kanan Jarrus didn't actually exist before coming to Morega. There's no other records of him, and it seems that Morfizo was the first time his name ever came up. She is then about to arrest him, and he then force pushes her into a wall, saves Morfizo, and they get to the ship. Ezra then appears, and he says he was cornered by the troopers, and then he escaped. It then shows the Grand Inquisitor goes to where Ray Sloan was, and he asks her about Kanan. Now, he is one of the primary antagonists in Season 1 of Star Wars Rebels, so whenever the Grand Inquisitor shows up in Star Wars Rebels, this story took place a little bit before that. Gamut Key then confirms he sorts out Mephizo and his family, gives new identities on the planet of Kala, and then... Kanan asks Ezra for a bit more details of how he managed to escape being cornered by some stormtroopers, and Ezra says he was saved by this random guy, uh, but he didn't stop to ask who his name was, he just ran away straight after that, and that's why he's a little bit late getting to the ship. And then the final panels of this comic shows that Cleave is talking to someone about what just happened, why they're a little bit late. This person says that they saved this kid who is being attacked by stormtroopers, and it reminded him a little bit of someone. It zooms out a bit and it shows that the person who saved Ezra was Janus Kazmir. And the reason that he saved Ezra was because it reminded him of Kanan slash Caleb. And it shows a little image of the young Kanan Jarrus, and that's where this comic ends with a nice round loop of Janus Kazma saving them. So that is where this comic ends. And that is the end of this 12 issue run of the Kanan comics. Thank you so much for listening, guys, as always. And as I always say, recommend you guys pick up the either pick up the comics themselves physically or read them on Marvel Unlimited or Hoopla or wherever else. Comicsology, you can buy them from. Wherever you want, pick up these comics and things because these ones are quite cool. They're a good companion piece. If someone's going listening who's going to be watching Star Wars Rebels or who is watching Star Wars Rebels and you want a bit more in-depth information about Kanan Jarrus because he's like a main character. He's one of the, the several main characters in Star Wars Rebels, but he's among them. And if you want a backstory on him, it's really cool because Kanan is is one of my favorite Jedi in all of Star Wars and Rebels is incredible and it's very underrated. So I really recommend you guys check that out if you want to hear more about Kanan, if you haven't already. So what have we got coming up over the next few weeks then, guys? So next week is going to be continuing the Dr. Afro comics. So I tackled the Dr. Afro comics in episode 55. Uh, that was issues 26 to 31. So this is going to be issues 32 to 36, I think. And there's only a few more issues to go with Afra. I think there's like 40-odd, something like that. So episode 59, which released on the 13th of June, that is going to be Dr. Afra. And then the week after that, which is going to be the 20th of June and episode number 60, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to be tackling the War of the Bounty Hunters comics. 
Now, anyone who has been collecting these Star Wars comics, especially the newer ones, you will know what all the bounty hunters are, but I'm just going to explain it to people. So at present, right now of recording, so the 4th of June, which is when I'm recording this, 2021, there are six ongoing Star Wars series, to my knowledge, for the comics. So there's the main five, which are by Marvel, and then there's one by IDW Publishing, which is aimed for a slightly younger audience. But of the five Marvel ones, you've got The High Republic, which... I'll be tackling at some point on the show at a later date, which obviously the High Republic's like 200 years before The Phantom Menace, so you can ignore that one for the time being. But the four other ongoing ones are the main run of Star Wars, which is the second run of them, the main run of Darth Vader, which is the third run of them, Doctor Aphra, which is the second run of those, and then Bounty Hunters. Now, each of them follow different characters, but all of those runs I just mentioned are all taking place between The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, which is around a year or so between those two films. So Empire Strikes Back ends with Boba Fett getting Han Solo frozen in Carbonite, and then Return of the Jedi starts with Han Solo being in Jabba's palace. But as there was about a year between them, War of the Bounty Hunters is showing that basically everyone in the galaxy is fighting over Han Solo frozen Carbonite. You know, Boba Fett and loads of other bounty hunters want it because Jabba is offering to pay a lot of money for Han Solo. While simultaneously you've got Dr. Aphra wants to get involved for one reason or another... The main run of Star Wars comics follows Luke and Leia. The first run of the Star Wars comics, which I'm also tackling on this show, included Han, but obviously where he's been frozen in carbonite, he's not in this. And so the main run of Star Wars comics, um, the Darth Vader comics, the Doctor Aphra comics, and the Bounty Hunters comics. The Bounty Hunters comics follows a character called Baylor Valance. Uh, I tackled him into the Target Vader episode and also in Han Solo Imperial Cadet. So they're all after Han Solo's frozen carbonite corpse for one reason or another. And the War of the Bounty Hunters is this big crossover event. So I posted this this on social media yesterday so on the 3rd of june you can go to my instagram or wherever you follow me on social media and you'll be able to see the picture of it i've put up but there are those four series i mentioned the ongoing ones that for five issues of those that's going to be the war of the bounty hunters sort of the perspectives of each of those characters while going on plus you've got the mini series war of the bounty hunters there is war of the bounty hunters alpha which was in may and then there's one two three and four in addition to that you've also got four one shots as well Jabba the Hutt one, Forlom and Zuckus one, Boosh one, and IG-88 one. So it's obviously them being involved in this some way as well. Obviously Jabba's the one who put the bounty out, so it's clear he's being involved some way. So all these are is a combination of 34 issues all telling one big Star Wars crossover story. Now it's going to be 34 issues is quite a lot of comics to buy and the trade paperback collections of each of these is probably not going to be out till probably november december time if not in 2022 so i thought what i would do is because i finished now the mini series this canaan was the last of the mini series and because i finished the one shots which i did the age of resistance was the last one shots i tackled i've got a gap to fill well i've got two gaps to fill actually one of the gaps to be filled is going to be with the darth vader 2017 run which is the second run of vader comics with charles saul which takes place after revenge of the sith um, which i'm very excited to tackle those and also if you pay attention the comics emotion book club which is going to be launching in about a month's time that is going to be tackling the first run of vader comics so it's all mixing together and whatnot but these war of the bounty hunters comics i'm going to be tackling them once a month for a while so in june 20th i'm going to be tackling the batch of may comics which they're going to be the preludes so there are five preludes war of the bounty hunters alpha and then star wars 13 bounty hunters 12 darth vader 12 and dr afro number 10 and then from there it's going to be you know a big chunky story and i'm going to be trying to explain them to people and also clarify some of the connections made and things like that when i release it i'm going to give a bit of more background information and repeat this but i thought i would say this to you guys as well just so you know what's going on 
Then the week after that, after the War of the Bounty Hunters, it's going to be back to the main run of Star Wars comics, which is volume 11 called The Scourging of Shu Torun. And that is actually going to be the second to last volume of the main run of Star Wars comics. So not far from the end of those. And then the week after that, which will be on the 4th of July, that will then be the Darth Vader comics. That'll be the first batch of those. So that's what you can look forward to going forward with Star Wars comics in canon. Obviously, you can listen on YouTube if you're already listening on YouTube. Hello. But I've put them into playlists on YouTube. I've put the Age of series in there. I've put the Doctor Afro comics, the Darth Vader comics, the main run of Star Wars comics, and just a few other bits and pieces. So I've put it in, I think there's Age of and Character Bios. So if you go into there, that'll be like individual episodes that specifically target certain characters. There's one that's about Dooku. There's one that's about Darth Maul. I think Darth Maul is like my second episode ever. There's lots of them in there. So if you want to listen to more Star Wars comics in canon, but you don't really know where to start, go over to YouTube and it's in playlists and whatnot. In addition to that, guys, I'd say, you know, look out for me in lots of other places. I've been recently on the Geek Podcast. Now, the Geek Podcast is on the feed of Fantastic Universes. I think it was episode number 21, if I'm correct. And I speak for an hour of what I think of geek culture, what made me a geek, why I'm into a lot of these sort of things. I speak about my dad a little bit, and my brothers, and etc. So if you want to know more about what makes me tick, go check out the Geek Podcast on the feed of Fantastic Universes. There's also other people from Comics and Motion who have been on there and the episodes are soon to be released with them as well. So make sure you subscribe to Fantastic Universes for that amazing show and a few other cool shows as well, including, I think, Hostile Takeover, um, which is by Adam Ray, who is the son of Steve Ray, who has been on Genuine Chit Chat quite a lot and is the vat of limitless comic information in the Superheroes for Dummies podcast, which is on the feed of Comics and Motion every other Monday. So make sure you check out Fantastic Universes for more sort of... It's like the cousin podcast of Comics and Motion. And... You know, I've also included in the description, as I always do, links to other shows that I've been involved with. I was on the I Like to Sound podcast. I've been on the 20th Century Geek a few times. You know, there's lots of other things I've done recently that I include in there. So make sure you check that out too. So the last thing to say, guys, aside from check out the amazing shows in Comics in Motion, is please check out my Patreon, patreon.com slash genuinechitchat. If you want to donate as little as £1 a month, you get access to a whole other show that myself and Megan do. We release episodes once or twice a week, and that's our Afterthoughts show. Now, the Afterthoughts show, we've been doing... There's some Star Wars ones in there. There's some MCU ones in there. Like we watched the Captain America trilogy. We watched the Thor trilogy, but also other stuff. Like we watched a documentary series called Murder Among the Mormons. We watched the Netflix film Mitchells versus the Machines. We've tackled older films as well. We've done like Little Miss Sunshine, Knocked Up, 27 Dresses, quite a wide berth of things. And we've tackled series like Queen's Gambit and season one of The Witcher. So we've been tackling quite a few things on there that are quite wide variety. And I try and release them in a way that makes it different from the last release and things. And when it's stuff that's new so when it's like series or when it was Mitchell's versus the machines we don't spoil them obviously when we talk about Star Wars and the MCU stuff we do spoil those just to warn you but all the other stuff that's quite new and series related we don't spoil those or in the ones that we do I think there's one we talk about stuff we do specifically say at the start you know spoiler warning and whatnot so if you want a whole new show then you know make sure you go support me on that also if you listen to my show Genuine Chit Chat you know that I release long episodes in two parts and on the Patreon feed, I release them all in one go. So there's a big unsplit episode and you get access to part two of episodes a week early. In addition to that, I also put posts on the Patreon feed of the Star Wars comics I tack on here a couple of days early usually. I put photos of my tortoise up, future guest lists, what other things I've been guesting on. So there's lots of bits and pieces in there. It really helps you support the show and it also means you get lots of extra content as well. You'll get access to a feed which you just get a link. You pop it into wherever you listen to your podcasts and then you can listen to the genuine chit chat 
Afterthoughts, Patreon feed, where you get stuff in there too. Plus, me and Megan recently went on a road trip and we drove back from Somerset after doing a cider tour and we recorded ourselves in the car for like half an hour talking about that, which I've just uploaded on there as well. So if you want loads of sort of more information about me and more stuff that me and Megan get up to and that sort of jazz, make sure you check out patreon.com slash genuinechitchat. So guys, I think I'm done with all of those things. Really appreciate you guys listening to the show, especially all the way to the NY Ramble like nonsense. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the Kanan comics. Please let me know what you thought, especially if you have seen Star Wars Rebels. And if you haven't watched Star Wars Rebels, then go do it because it's amazing. And uh, yeah, just thank you guys. As always, I really do appreciate it. I'll be talking to you guys next Saturday. And that is going to be with the Dr. Afro comics. And as always, guys, thank you so much for listening and may the force be with you. The intro for Star Wars Comics and Canon is arranged by myself, Mike Burton, and the backing music was made by Eric Matias of soundimage.org. Comics in Motion is proud to be sponsored by Renovations Press, home of the world-renowned Tracksuit Man, the story about traveling to which we can all relate, and something we've all missed this last year. Renovations Press continues to make the decades-long quest to bring quality, independent comics to the masses, with three comics each year featuring the supergroup slash government experiment gone wrong, section 12. Click the link in the show notes for more information about how you can buy some high-quality, independent comics. And stay tuned, because each time a new issue comes out in 2021, Comics in Motion listeners will be eligible to win free copies of section 12. Click that link, check out Lenovations Press, support them on Patreon, you'll be happy you did. What started as just an appearance on Indie Comics Spotlight has turned into an excellent partnership between Comics in Motion and Lenovations Press. We look forward to bringing you some amazing content 